Over the last two weeks, we have seen two portraits of the unbeliever as given to us by King Solomon in Proverbs 26. The first portrait was of the fool, given to us in verses 1 to 12. The second, the portrait of the sluggard, which we saw last week, which was given to us from verses 13 to 16. The third and last portrait of Proverbs 26 is that of the troublemaker, and that is given for us in verses 17 to 28. Let's read that together. Proverbs 26, verses 17 to 28. You follow along as I read. Like one who takes a dog by the ears is he who passes by and meddles with strife not belonging to him. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, Was I not joking? For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, contention quiets down. Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. Like an earthen vessel overlaid with silver dross are burning lips and a wicked heart. He who hates disguises it with his lips, but he lays up deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred covers itself with guile, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone, it will come back on him. A lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth works ruin. We'll be taking this passage in two parts. Part one this morning covers the first six verses of this passage and gives for us four aspects of the portrait of a troublemaker. The portrait of a troublemaker. What are those four aspects? They are these. The troublemaking meddler. Verse 17. The troublemaking deceiver. Verses 18 and 19. The troublemaking whisperer. In verses 20 and 21. And the troublemaking listener. Verse 22, the troublemaking meddler, the troublemaking deceiver, the troublemaking whisperer, and the troublemaking listener. Let's look at number one. Number one, the troublemaking meddler. Verse 17, like one who takes a dog by the ears is he who passes by and meddles with strife not belonging to him. Solomon likes, likens this form of troublemaking to a person who needlessly and senselessly, for that matter, takes a wild dog by the ears and begins to provoke it. Now, as I have said before when we've talked about dogs in the ancient world, there were some domesticated animals. But for the most part, when those in antiquity were referring to dogs, they were more often than not referring to wild dogs, wild animals. Dogs who often at night would roam seeking food, uh, seeking their prey, and sometimes, of course, even wreaking havoc with human beings. And that's what kind of dog Solomon has in mind here. He's talking about someone who, when a dog passes by or 
that person passes by a dog, a wild dog, a dog you don't want to have anything to do with, a dog that you would rather avoid, instead of avoiding such a wild beast, the person who passes by actually attempts to take the dog by the ears and jostles it around. You'd say, pal, you're looking for trouble. And that would be right. Because you would be needlessly and senselessly attempting to provoke a wild dog to action. And if you weren't careful, of course, and this is not the trait of a needless, senseless, careless man, you would provoke the dog to anger and the dog would most likely bite you and attempt to devour you if he could. Again, some of these Proverbs of Solomon are so striking in their visualization. Who would be dumb enough, who would be senseless enough to take a wild dog by the ears and attempt to provoke the wild animal and rile it up? So, Solomon says, is exactly what you do when you meddle in someone else's business. And needlessly and carelessly stir up strife. The strife is like the dog. The argument with somebody else, presumably maybe they are arguing themselves, they're debating, they're involved in some kind of conversation, and you are passing by. And the argument that they're having, the debate, the conversation is like you passing by and meddling in their affairs just like a dog who is riled up. You're going to rile them up because you're endeavoring to inject yourself into an argument that isn't your own. You're just going to rile up the process. You're just going to get them to be mad at you. And apparently the troublemaking meddler is doing exactly that. And apparently he knows that he's doing that. And he's planning on doing that because he is by definition a meddler. He's just trying to stir up trouble. And he tries to inject himself in a process of meddling just so that he can be involved. And notice the word strife is used. He's meddling in somebody else's affairs because he wants to stir up strife. This isn't somebody who just walks along unawares and who hears of a conversation going on and tries to somehow be a peacemaker in the process. That isn't it at all. What he's trying to do is he's trying to specifically stir up strife He's trying to kick up all of the arguing dust that he can so that more strife occurs. And that's not what the situation calls for. He doesn't belong in the debate. He shouldn't become involved in the skirmish. Yet because he's full of trouble, the purposely argumentative meddler tries to stir up more trouble by forcing his way into the argument. Hence, He's just downright troublesome. He's a troublemaker. The strife apparently is already there. And maybe someone's in a heated situation. But the troublemaker, he passes by and he just can't let it go. He just can't do it. You see, it's not a part of his nature. His nature is not a peacemaker. His nature is a troublemaker. He just wants to foment and stir something up. No one asks him to do it. He takes his own initiative and he makes a bad situation far worse. Why? Because he just simply can't help himself. He, he just wants to stir it up. See, that's what a troublemaking meddler is by definition. A man or a woman who cannot be silent and who cannot allow others to work out their own differences. He forces his way into a battle that doesn't belong to him. That's what he does. That's who he is. Look at Proverbs chapter 3 verse 30. Proverbs 3.30. 
This is, this is good advice. Very plainly spoken. Proverbs 3.30 Do not contend with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. You see? Presumably, again, these two people, whoever they are, they're working their way through the situation. Maybe they have strife between them. Maybe it's heated. Maybe they're not resolving something. But it's none of your what? Business. It's none of your business. They've caused you no harm. And so do not contend with a man without cause if he's done you no harm. But see, the troublemaking meddler can't do that. He's got to inject himself in the situation. That's what he wants to do. He cannot be satisfied with others working out their own issues. He's got to put his own two cents worth in. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3. This is wise, sage advice again. Proverbs 20, verse 3. Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool will what? Quarrel. You see, he's just all about quarreling. Here's a simple rule of thumb. If you're not a part of the problem or a part of the solution, stay out of the way. That's such good advice. If you're not a part of the problem or if you're not a part of the solution, then stay out of it. Nobody's causing you harm. Nobody's doing anything for you. And unless they ask you to become injected into the situation, then stay out of it. To put yourself into someone else's business is to cause unnecessary trouble. It's like picking up a dog, a wild dog, by the ears and shaking him around to see if something is going to result. Well, you know what's going to result. He's going to try to bite you and devour you. So stay out of harm's way. If you're not a part of the problem nor a part of the solution to the issue, stay out of the issue. A trouble-making meddler won't do that. And therefore, he just stirs up strife and often even to a heightened level which increases the explosion when it comes. And I suspect when the explosion comes, the troublesome meddler, as he continues to pass by, will say something like this, well, I didn't do it. No, I, 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 I didn't really have anything to do with that. I mean, they were arguing before I ever came along. I mean, you know, they really ought to work out their differences. And someone says, yes, but you became involved. You injected yourself into that situation. You were as much a part of exacerbating the strife as they were in beginning it. Well, I mean, I, no, not me. Oh, me? Moi? Surely not. The dog is nevertheless provoked. If the dog is passing by, or if you're passing by such a dog, don't Bait the dog, right? Don't bait the dog. Hope and pray that a wild animal will pass you by without doing anything to you, lest he bite and devour you unprovoked. But if you turn around and provoke and devour him, shaking the dog violently just to see what kind of strife and reaction you can receive, you're going to receive some. Most assuredly. You know, when I think of this, I think of a troublesome meddler as exactly the opposite of a peacemaker. A troublesome meddler is opposite than a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker, don't be a troublemaker. James chapter 3 talks about this. You know where this trouble comes? You see, this isn't just somebody who occasionally causes friction. This is somebody who in his heart is characteristically evil. James chapter 3 verse 13 says this, Who among you is wise and understanding? Who is it? James says, Let him show by his good behavior his deeds, listen to this, in the gentleness of wisdom. Gentle wisdom. Not troublemaking. Uh, but if you have bitter jealousy, jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. 
This wisdom, that wisdom that is bitter and jealous and selfish and ambitious, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. That's where it comes. That's its source. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. It's just like picking up a wild dog by the ears and meddling. It shouldn't be done. Verse 17 of James 3, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Peacemaker. Not troublemaker, peacemaker. He says in James 4.1, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? And here's the motive. Here's the basement motive. Here it is. A troublemaker, a troublemaking meddler wants to stir up strife because it brings him pleasure. You see? I mean, that's sadistic, isn't it? A troublemaker who is stirring up strife by, by, by picking up an argument by the ears is inherently pleasured by that. You see, it goes right to the motive of the heart. It goes right to the characteristic of the being. He says in verse 2, You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. So is the troublemaker. He just can't leave well enough alone. Proverbs Chapter 14 says it this way, Proverbs 14, verse 16. A wise man is cautious and turns away from evil. In other words, he saw an evil contention going on. He passed by it. He heard it. And what does he do? What does the wise man do? He is cautious and he turns away from that. He doesn't get into the fray. But a fool is arrogant and careless. Verse 17. A quick tempered man acts foolishly and a man of evil devices is hated. Proverbs 15.1, you know it well, often quoted I'm sure to your kids, a gentle answer turns away what? Wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Verse 18, a hot tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. See, if you're asked to get into a dispute that's not your own, weigh it, contemplate it, determine whether you should be involved because not every time you're asked does it automatically mean you should become involved. But if on those occasions that you do determine, pray through, calculate your actions, and you do become involved, then involve yourself peaceably, gently, But if ultimately no one's asking you to become involved, don't do it. Don't do it. It's just like picking up a wild dog by the ears to be a troublemaking meddler. Secondly, troublemaking deceiver. The troublemaking deceiver. Look at verses 18 and 19 of Proverbs 26. Like a madman who who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. So is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, Was I not joking? This is, again, just a a shock to the senses. I mean, here's someone who is specifically now, as a troublemaker, attempting to deceive. Don't miss that. Is the man who deceives his neighbor. And he cloaks it in all of this joking, humorous, comedic language. In other words, he cloaks his actions under the joke. Oh, did you, did you not realize? I was just kidding. I mean, when I, when I said that or when I did that, see, you just don't know my form of humor. You see, because I, I, some people have perceived me like that, and I, I just want you to know, it's just, it's not really who I am. I mean, I, yeah, I tend to joke around like that, but look, you've, you've got to take me in the right way. All along, 
all along, everything he's telling you and the cloak of the humor that surrounds it is nothing but a deception. You say, how so? Here's the deception. Here it is. Just like a man who takes arrows that have oil on the tips and he's lighted them and he propels them in your direction so that it will stick and you would be on fire. That's what he means. Firebrands. And then, if he doesn't get you with that to burn your soul up, he will take the unlighted arrows and if the verse were translated like this, it would be something akin to like a madman who throws firebrands, the ones who are the arrows on fire to do damage to your soul, and then deathly arrows. If he can't get you with the firebrands, he's going to try to make you die with arrows to the heart. You see, that's why these Proverbs in Proverbs 26 aren't referring to believers. They're not referring to Christians. Christians don't do that characteristically, habitually. Now, can we sometimes hurt our neighbor, even under the cloak of, of humor, even sometimes occasionally intending to hurt because we were hurt by them? Sure. But that's not habitually who we are. That's not characteristically who we are. This is a reference to a man who is described how? A madman. Some kind of sadistic joke. All designed to make us think that it was, that it was all fun and games and humor. When he's really trying to deceive you so that he can pierce your soul. I mean, I think in this madman terms, by the way, that's a term that's only used here in all of the Old Testament. It's madman. And I think of somebody who's like a cruel, sadistic sniper who takes those arrows, as it were. And you remember even just recently, as of last week, John Muhammad the Washington, D.C. sniper who was executed. And all of this sadistic, terroristic kind of threatening and actions. And people were, were utterly scared out of their wits as to who would be doing this. And you hear people say, what kind of sadistic, cruel joke is this? By people dying as a result of someone who thinks it's fun, who thinks it's sport to just pick off people who are going about their daily lives. It's a madman. It's a madman who fires the arrows lighted and unlighted into unsuspecting souls. It's at its heart deceptive. Deceptive. It's intended to kill and destroy. No Christians like that. No Christian is characteristically like that. You've got to stay away from these people. You've got to be warned about these people. And that's what Solomon's doing. He's warning us about somebody who lives like that. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 23 says it this way. This is, this is that sadistic, wicked person. This is what he's doing. Here's his mindset. Doing wickedness is like sport to a fool. That's just incredible, isn't it? For the fool, for the deceiving fool, doing wickedness is like a sport. Can you imagine anything more wicked than somebody who is attempting to fire deadly arrows into the heart of unsuspecting people and says something like this, was I not joking? Oh, this was a gag. Look, it was nothing more than a harmless practical joke. Uh, no, nobody could really be harmed by such. Harmed? Even if this was verbal, it's harmful. Because doing wickedness is like sport to a fool. And you know what's sport to a wise man? Understanding. That's what it says. Doing wickedness is like sport to a fool, and so is wisdom to a man of understanding. Proverbs chapter 14 the wisdom of the sensible is to understand his way, but the foolishness of fools is deceit. Notice this. 
Verse 9a, fools mock at sin. Timothy McVeigh, he just mocked at sin. Just blow up federal building in Oklahoma City just, just with, with what it appeared to be just the wave of the hand. Oh, sure, he might have had his philosophy of life and he might have thought himself justified. But it's wickedness. It's deceit. It's foolishness to the max. It's like deadly arrows with somebody saying with the thin veneer of humor, was I not joking? No, it's not funny at all. Proverbs fifteen fourteen. The mind of the intelligent seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on folly. And then verse 21. Listen to this. Folly is joy to him who lacks sense. Folly is joy. It's just like the person who mows down others literally or spiritually for the sake of of their folly, and it's joy to him. He, he can't get enough. That's what he wants to do. That's his life. That's what he lives for. That's what he wants to do. That's his passion. It's his joy. Proverbs 24.1 Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them, for their minds devise violence, and their lips talk of trouble. Verse 8 one who plans to do evil, men will call a schemer. See, that's, that's the schemer. That's the deceiving schemer. He does his, his wreaking havoc and then says, Hey, it was just all a joke. Look, don't take it so seriously. I was only kidding. Verse 12 of Proverbs 20, 24. If you say, see, we did not know this. Oh, really? Were you hurt by that? Oh, I'm... I'm even shocked that you, you'd be concerned. I didn't know that you would react to my practical joking. Does he not consider it, the Lord who weighs the hearts, and does he not know it, who keeps your soul, and will he not render to man according to his work? The Lord's going to repay. Ultimately, even if the guy says he's joking... Proverbs 25, 18, like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow is a man who bears false witness against his neighbor. You're hurting him. Even in our own Proverbs 26, verse 10, like an archer who wounds everyone, so is he who hires a fool. Just as indiscriminately hurting everyone. Even next week, verse 28, a lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Hey, was I not joking? Come on, man, where's your, where's your sense of humor? Bruce Waltke says, The jester intends to harm his neighbor. He is a fool for whom villainy is like the pleasure of laughter. He's not merely a prankster or practical joker. He condemns himself by his self-quotation to explain his behavior. Was I not joking? For his question betrays his meanness and cynicism. The mischief maker is cunning, showing that he is intellectually capable of carrying out a crime. His problem is not intellectual, but spiritual. He lacks kind affections. So is the troublemaking deceiver. Thirdly, the troublemaking whisperer. Even that sort of uh, onomatopoeic whisperer. He whispers. Verses 20 and 21. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, contention, what? Quiets down. That's the positive. If you don't have a whisperer doing that, contention what? Quiets down. Here's the negative. Like charcoal to hot embers 
and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. What happens? Got hot embers, you throw charcoal on it, you've got a smoldering fire, you throw a bunch of wood on it, what does it do? Combustible. Flashpoint. So a troublemaking whisperer who just wants to breed contention in the community. It, it's so combustible. You know how it is. Hey, did you hear about Sally? Sally's pregnant out of wedlock. You didn't hear it from me. Hey, do you know Bill? Bill's got a real anger problem. But you didn't hear it from me. Hey, Charlie. Charlie drinks way too much. Let's, let's pray for Charlie. Charlie needs our, our help. That's souse. Hey, did you hear about the, the elder? He's not doing his work. Hey, hey. And on and on and on it goes. But it hardly ever gets above a whisper. Whisper. But if there's a, a lack of wood, the fire goes out. Contention quiets down. Throw as much water as you can on whispering. Make it go out. Make it cease. On the other hand, a whisperer who is cloaked in his whispering, but underneath he's a contentious man. Do you see the parallel? So is a contentious man to kindle strife. If you have a contentious man who desires to whisper about others, strife like a raging fire will be kindled. You can see it. You, you, you can hear it. You can smell it. You can feel it. Have you ever got close to the bonfire? Boy. And the more you throw logs onto the fire, the more you throw that wood, the more that charcoal is put on the hot embers, that contention, it just, it just explodes into a rage that's out of control. That's the troublemaking whisper. It's all about stoking the fires of contention between parties. He'll stop at nothing to give some rumor, some innuendo into a conversation so that someone's reputation is sullied and soiled. That's, that's his plan all along. That's, that's what he's doing. That's what he's all about. Ephesians 4. Speak only a word that is good for what? Edification. Building up. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a one as is good for edification so that it might provide the need of the moment. Somebody really needs you to build them up. Somebody really needs for the community to be encouraged. They're, they're longing for that. They're, they're seriously in need of that. And instead, the whisperer comes along and says, but you don't really know her. If you knew her like I did, you'd think differently. And you know, once that goes into the mind, it hardly is ever able to leave. Reputation is soiled, and that person is forever tainted so hard to get that out of your mind. So hard to believe differently. And yet by the grace of God, often when you're told something about somebody else and you say to yourself, I just can't believe that. I, I just, I find that so hard to believe. And it dogs you and it, it reminds you of that person until you really do get to know them in the fellowship, in the body. And then you say, you know what? I was hoodwinked. I was duped. That's not who that person really is at all. But if contention spreads through the 
whispering willows of the rumor mill, then somebody's reputation is destroyed like a fire. It's out of control. It's raging. Nobody can do anything about it. And just like those little embers fly far and wide, there's no way for somebody to get their reputation back. That's what the whisper is all about doing. Destroy, search, and destroy, search, and destroy. You know, that's exactly the kind of metaphor, this idea of the fire that James uses in chapter 3. With regard to the tongue, James 3, 5. So also the tongue, it's a small part of the body and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire? And the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity, the tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. And the whisper, just, just in small increments, just letting it out a little bit at a, at a time, brings us to the destruction of another person. With this tongue we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce Fresh. Somebody who blesses with one side of their mouth and curses with another. Oh, Susan, you are just such a snazzy dresser. Five minutes later, you're telling your husband, she is a lousy dresser. What is she thinking with that wardrobe? What do you think your husband is thinking about Susan? Well, one, if you heard you say, the other comment, he says, that's hypocritical. Shouldn't do that. Shouldn't say that. Is that edified? Is that build up? Oh, you know about the problems at the church. Oh, yeah, we left there. We left there months ago. Yeah, not satisfied. Not satisfied at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not a group we want to be associated with. No. Uh, you know, that family over there, they're, they're, just, they're just not right. Uh, they, they just don't have their act together. You know, really what they need... Are, is Jesus. They really need Jesus. Well, have you gone to witness to them? No, no. No, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be involved. Their, their family's so messed up. Well, maybe they need Jesus because their family's messed up. No, I'd, I'd rather be content just talking about them. The whisperer. The whisperer. Proverbs 6.14. Proverbs 6.14. Here's the whisperer. With perversity in his heart, continually devises evil who spreads strife. Strife. Proverbs 11:13. He who goes about as a tale-bearer reveals secrets. Ooh, can you hear a secret? He who is trustworthy conceals a matter. No, no, I don't. I don't want to hear that. Is it edifying? Anybody ask you, hey, can you keep a secret? Is it edifying? Will it build up or will it tear down? Oh, well, I, I think it'll build up. Well, if you don't know for sure, don't tell me. I don't want to hear that. Proverbs 28, 25 28.25 An arrogant man stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. Chapter 29, verse 22. 
An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. Do you want to burn down a person or a community? Do you want to just burn them to the ground? Then start whispering. Because it's, it's like throwing wood and charcoal on a fire. The wildfire of gossip through whispering. You'll scorch and destroy everything in its path. Fourth and last, the troublemaking listener. Verse 22. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. You see, this, this is the flip side of the last point. This is not somebody who's whispering. This is somebody who is listening to the whisperer. This is the whisperee. This is the person who is willing to listen. You see, it takes a person to gossip to another, and it takes a person to be willing to listen to the gossip. And Solomon covers both of them here. The person who likes to listen to the latest tidbits of juicy gossip, it goes down into their innermost parts like a dainty morsel. It's like a confection, like candy, like a dessert. Ooh, give me more, give me more. What else, what else, what else? Oh, is that all? Is that all you had? Tell me more. I, I, I enjoy listening to this. You, you receive it like ear candy. How refreshing. How succulent the information. Oh, it goes down so well. By the way, this is exactly what Solomon has already said in Proverbs 18.8. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. You know what that shows me? Two proverbs that say exactly the same thing. That's the siren song of the gossip listener. That's the siren song. Just like the siren song of the sluggard. You remember last week? What was the siren song of the sluggard? Oh, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Here's the siren song of the troublemaking listener. Tell me more. Tell me more. It's going down to the innermost parts of my body. I love it. I, I must hear the latest gossip. You remember Bewitched? Remember that show? You remember Mrs. Kravitz? Ah, you remember Mrs. Kravitz? She was always looking out the window, wasn't she? And what was her husband always doing? Mrs. Kravitz, get out of the window, please. Oh, what are they doing over there again? What's Darren up to? Always looking, always listening, always wanting to beware of the latest. Always looking across the street, always wondering who's doing what. This is the... This is the poor man's busybody. Always wanting the juicy information. John Kitchen writes, Listening to gossip is as easy as downing a delightful dessert. Putting a stop to gossip is as difficult as refusing that tantalizing confection when everyone else is indulging. You ever had that idea? You just see people around you and you know you're supposed to be on that diet. I mean, you know you're not supposed to be involved. And everybody's doing it. And everybody looks so much more thin than you. And you say to yourself, that's just, that's just downright unfair. And you see that, that wonderful, delicious dessert. And it's just so small. It's really dainty. And you say to yourself, in your illogic, look, something that small cannot go on my hips. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced. It, it, it just won't happen. It's too small. I mean, come on. I mean, it's just a little bit. And it just feels so good going down. Oh, I just, I, I just, I just have to have some. I'm just going to indulge just a little bit. 
Kitchen says, Son, such words are dainty morsels in that they are something rare, special, and something you believe not everyone else has the privilege of enjoying. How could you pass them up? But here's the answer. The gossip is wrong. It's wrong to hear. Even if it's true, it's wrong to hear. And always injurious to the person being gossiped about. Kitchen goes on to write, Gossip does not merely fall upon your ears, it settles deep within you. You cannot help but be influenced by it. You will never look at the person of whom the gossip spoke in the same way again. Gossip irrepressibly shapes our view of people no matter how hard we try to discount it as probably untrue. It's, it's, it's absolutely the case. That's why these proverbs sting us as they do because they're so right on. Proverbs, 20, uh, Proverbs 16 verse 28. A perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. I mean, you can be total and complete intimate friends one day and when the slandering gossip comes and you think your best friend is behind it, what happens? Boom! No more friends. Well, I will never speak to her again. Well, he will never, ever be my friend. I can't believe that he did that. I shared with him in confidence, and he told so-and-so, and I'll never share anything with them again. Chapter 20, verse 19. He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. Trimper Longman says about these whisperers and gossips in the book of Proverbs, gossips create conflict because they are secretly telling negative stories about people. The gossip is a classic example of a foolish speaker. Gossips spread information behind people's backs, not to help, but rather to damage their reputations. As is typical of foolish speech, spreading rumors destroys relationships and thus community. It does not matter whether or not what is said is true. It is the intention and timing of the speech that is reprehensible. Usually, however, gossip is based on uncertain knowledge of a matter. But then again, that's never stopped the gossiper before, has it? The truth of the matter, that's clearly secondary. I tell you, these portraits of the fool and the sluggard and the troublemaker... We need to be delivered from such. And if you're a Christian, thank God you have. Thank the Lord you have been delivered. You may have been one of those in your unbelieving life. You may have been one of these very kinds of fool. But the Lord has delivered you. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not a Christian. And you are still wrapped around the pattern of being a, a fool, a, a sluggard, a, a troublemaker. And you, and you want to be delivered today. I encourage you, I implore you, I beg of you that for the sake of those around you, and not even just yourself, although that's your prime importance, ask God to deliver you. Repent of sin. Repent of being a fool. Repent of being a sluggard. Repent of being a troublemaker. And ask God to deliver you to Jesus Christ. The Lord of our tongues. The Lord over any laziness. The Lord who delivers the fool. He will do it. Repent. Place your faith in Christ. Believe that God can deliver you so that you will not be forever the fool. And if you're a Christian, and if you say, I don't do these things characteristically, but I can fall into these things so easily. Help me. Help me not do that. Well, I thought about that, and I thought about a rhyme. 
with regard to your brothers and sisters in Christ, this passage, with regard to your brothers and sisters in Christ, settle with them quickly, don't meddle with them strictly. Receive them with a clean slate, don't deceive them with a cruel hate. Don't smear them with gossip, but rather hear them with profit. That's that's the siren song of the Christian, isn't it? Settle with them quickly. Don't meddle with them strictly. Receive them with a clean slate. Don't deceive them with a cruel hate. Don't smear them with gossip, but rather hear them with profit. It's not profitable to your brother and sister in Christ. Don't hear it. And by all means, don't smear your brothers and sisters. This is the siren song of the Christian. Let's bow together. Oh, our Heavenly Father, we are so convicted so challenged about these proverbial wisdom statements. Allow us, Lord, even as Christians, to settle and not to meddle, to receive and not to deceive. And Lord, to hear with profit and not to smear with innuendo. Oh, may it be so. And Father, for those who need to be converted out of a lifestyle of being a troublemaker, may You deliver them even today. If they would but repent of sin, Trust only in Christ and see Him as the deliverer for all that is wicked. May you do it for your honor and glory, for the sake of Jesus Christ and for the power of the Spirit to say no to sin. We pray all these things for the sake of Christ. Amen.